This morning to Job chapter 12. We're going to look at several scriptures to start with. Job chapter 12. And, um, and then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. Job chapter 12, verse number 7, 8, and 9. Job chapter 12, verse 7, 8, 9. I'm just going to read it off the board if they've got that possibly up there. Maybe. Does anybody tell me where Job is at? Where's Job? Anybody know where Job is at? Oh, there it is. There's Job up there. Okay. I want you to look at this verse of scripture that God just puts in the Bible. It's a wonderful thing. He said, now ask the beast. Well, we walk up to a squirrel and start talking to a squirrel. God wants you to talk to animals. <laughs> now <laughs> ask the beast and they shall do what? Teach. What do they do? Teach. Beasts can teach you yeah. things. You, if you study a 10 point buck, boys, you will find out how to not get shot. <laughs> Don't chase girls. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Ask the beast, they shall teach thee. And the fowl, he said, not just the beast, but he said, look at the birds. They're going to teach you things. And they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth. And it shall teach thee. God says, look around you. Look at what's going on in the earth. And the fishes of the sea. Hmm. And the, the, they're going to declare something unto you. They're going to declare things to you. God says, I have put these animals. In fact, the next verse, look what it says. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? I, I, I'm not preaching on giraffes today, but you want to do a wild study, study giraffe. If you want to know an animal that just kills an evolution, study a giraffe. It's unreal what has to happen in a giraffe's neck, head, and chest in order for him just to drink water and then raise his head up. What they've discovered, I mean, it's unbelievable. There's no way in the world that that dude could have evolved. That had to be special creation, amen. Amen. So now I want you to go to the Bible in in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. And while you're turning there, I want you to see what I got. Now, I'll tell you what, I got to be careful with these. I mean, knows what these are. These are pearls. These are pearls. I've been preaching 41 years, Brother Jerry, and I've never preached on pearls, and yet they're in the Bible. And somebody says, well, that's not an animal, but it came from an animal. And I tell you what, I've been into something this week that blowed my mind. I mean, my mind's been blowed. That's why you won't make much sense of my message. My mind done been blowed out. But I want to preach today on this subject right here about pearls. I want to preach specifically on why... I, let me ask you. I don't want to embarrass you. Sister uh, Susanna, are you going to have pearls at your wedding? You are. I'm glad to find out. You, you don't have to have pearls at your wedding. But a lot of weddings, have the bride wears pearls. These are Karen's pearls. And I, I'm, I was pretty sure she had some. And she comes dragging this sack out and said, here they are. And I said, boy, you would trust me to take them things to church. I'm going to go to a pawn shop on the way out of here. <laughs> But these are Karen's pearls right here. And pearls, and I want to preach a message on why do brides have pearls as part of their attire in their wedding ceremony? And who started that and why did they start it? In American culture right now, a lot of things are changing. We're as used to weddings and funerals and a lot of things in our culture always fed out of scriptural, biblical truth that was embedded within the culture of our nation, 
You're losing a lot of that now. And especially at a wedding, there's all kinds of reasons. And I ought to do this some Sunday. There's just probably 25 to 30 biblical principles that is in a wedding ceremony that we don't even think about or recognize. But I want to preach on the subject of why pearls are part of the brides. And honey, I'm going to give these back. Well, I'll just wait. All right. Stop at that pawn shop on the way home. Anyway. Matthew chapter 13, let's look at that and let's look at this passage of scripture. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly what? Pearls. Pearls. Now watch this, watch this. When he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had. He sold everything he had when he found this one pearl of great price and he bought it. Huh. One pearl of great price, and he bought it. Now, a parable we were talking this morning in church is an earthly illustration of natural phenomena, or of a natural phenomenon that reveals a spiritual truth. What can we learn from these pearls I've got in my pocket that God made? They're, they came from an animal. A parable uses the natural to reveal the spiritual. A parable uses the earthly to reveal a heavenly. A parable specifically uh, reveals from what can be seen to what cannot be seen. Jesus used parables continuously. He talked about soil and seed and meal and tares and wheat and sheep and birds and hens and thorns. And it's just the Bible's full of all these natural phenomena that he used to teach. Now, I want to tell you something. Jesus was a common man's preacher. The common men heard him gladly, your Bible says. You ought to pay attention to that. When somebody gets too high in theological, somebody gets off on all this Hebrew, Greek, blah, 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 and they're trying to tell you that they're a spiritual giraffe. You know what B.R. Lakin said? He said, you preacher boys, he said, you keep that feed down low where the sheep can get it. He said, let them giraffe bend their necks. They want anything, make them bend their necks to get it. Said, you keep it down there where anybody can, you keep it where a child can understand what's being preached. There's a lot of truth to that. His messages were simple, yet they were profound. And uh, this week we've had a wedding yesterday. We're going to have a wedding next week. And I don't know, I guess my mind got spun out on these weddings, you know, and just whatever. And then I, uh, I, I won't get into that, but. Uh, often, as I said, pearls are present at a wedding. They're used, sometimes they're given, they're received at a wedding for the bride to wear. Oftentimes you'll see a grandmother or a mother give her daughter the pearls to wear at a, at a, a wedding. But why in the world do young ladies wear pearls at a wedding? What did our forebears, our forefathers, Christian forefathers, why did they ever do that? Well, who ever come up with that? Just, oh, they're pretty? Why didn't they put silver or gold or rubies? Why pearls? There's a reason, and there's a biblical reason he did that. Because pearls are involved in the description and the revealing and the identification of the bride of Christ. And the bride, when she comes into that service, is a picture of the bride of Christ. If you don't believe that, you don't believe Ephesians chapter 5. Because Jesus, our Lord, uh, the Bible said, and I speak concerning Christ and the church. When God put a marriage together, he put a picture together of Jesus Christ as the groom and the, and the church as the bride. And what this pearl up here is, is a picture of the church. And how the church came into being, is a, the pearls are a picture of that. It is no accident 
that the Holy Ghost uses pearls in describing the kingdom of heaven. Pearls uh, are called the queen of jewels. It is the only gem style, gemstone in the world that comes from a living creature. Natural pearls are very, very rare. Now, I'll tell you something. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know how this is going to go. I've got about 16 rabbit trails I could run. I had to just quit and come to church. I mean, there's a, I mean, literally some stuff. I mean, you can't believe what all is in this deal about pearls. It blew me away. But a natural pearl is opposed to what's called cultural pearls. We may get to that today. Less than one in 10,000 wild oysters contain pearls. The most expensive pearl known in, in the world is valued at $100 million. It was discovered off the coast of the Philippines. It's 26, 26 inches long, weighs 75 pounds. Largest pearl known to exist. The estimated value is $100 million. And I think that was just found not too many years ago, 10 or 12 years ago. In ancient Rome, Julius Caesar created a law about pearls that no common man could wear them. He said they're only reserved for those of wealth, prestige, and especially authority. Pearls come in many various colors and shapes in all kinds of cultures across the globe. But historically, pearls have symbolized purity, clarity, loyalty, value, and longevity. The oyster shell that a pearl comes out of uh, has an exoskeleton. It has three different layers in it. I kind of thought that was interesting to have three layers to an oyster. He has the outer, and I'm not going to try to pronounce that word, proteinicon, whatever you call that, whatever that is. He has the middle layer called prismatic, and then he has his innermost layer, and that's what's called the N-A-C-R-E, and I would even write that, oh, yeah, there you go, and uh, the knacker layer. And uh, that knacker layer is where you get your mother of pearl at, where you, a lot of times buttons are made out of. What do they make out of mother of pearl? There's different articles and things like that, right? But there's a, this third layer in the pearl is called the mother of pearl. Now think about that, mother of pearl. Hmm. And it produces inside the shell, this is the pearl layer because uh, it has an iridescent light with reflective qualities. This is what that necker produces. The necker layer, N-A-C-R-E, is called the mother of pearl. Now, before we get going on this, I want to clear up some false and untrue interpretations and applications of the scripture that we just read. In this parable of the pearl, the great pearl, price, the pearl of great price, there are theologians who say that the merchant man is the lost sinner who is seeking the great pearl of salvation. That's not true. That's a wrong interpretation of that scripture. There's two problems that I know of with it to start with. And that is in Romans chapter 3 verse 11, the Bible said, The Holy Ghost of God said by the word of God, There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. It is God that seeks the lost man, not the lost man seeking God. Lost people rebel and run from God. Now it is true that God can draw the sinner to himself. But without God's drawing and God's power at work in that lost man's life, he will run from God and rebel against God every time. Amen. Second of all, salvation cannot be bought by the lost sinner. Amen. The merchant man here is buying something. You cannot buy your salvation. Amen. So that interpretation of that is wrong. Absolutely. 
Ephesians 2 says, for by grace are you saved and that through, uh, by, uh, through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. I spent an hour with a man this week sitting at a table with him trying to make him understand grace, to make him understand that salvation was a gift. And I'm telling you, when that gets, when it, when that gets embedded in people's mind that somehow or another, you've got to do things to earn salvation. We've got people here today that's going to be baptized right after service. And you don't want to miss this baptism today, I'll tell you. And, uh, but, you know, uh, they're, getting, they're getting baptized because they're saved, not to be saved. Right. Amen? Right. Their baptism is not saving them. Their works of righteousness does not save them that. So what is this pearl of great price? It is the church. Put up Acts 20, 28, if you will. Acts 20, 28. And I'm going to try to be calm and sweet and nice and methodical and not get out of the banks and climb over the top of the pews today, okay? Because you might want to watch out, all righty? Now I'm going to say something. And having said that, churches need to balance. Everything needs to be done decently and in order, right? But I tell you, it won't hurt you to have an old glorified hallelujah shout spell every once in a while either. Some of you quit need to go into a shrink and just shout it out. Amen. I'll tell you, you don't need a psychologist. You need Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you that right now. I'll get fired up here. Bible says this here. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer. Did you know the churches vote preachers in? That ain't what the Bible says. The Holy Ghost is the one who makes the overseer of the flock. Amen. And he said to feed the church of God. And that tell you what that's in my heart. And God put that in my heart to feed the church of God. Watch what he said. Which he hath purchased with what? God purchased with his own blood. I'll tell you, there's nothing more priceless and precious than the blood of Christ that purchased the church of God. And the parable of the sower is the merchant man. He's going after the pearl of great price and he sees it sold all heaven had and came and bought the pearl of great price, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you something. When you've given your blood, when you've given your life, you give it all. Amen. There's nothing more you can give when you've given your life and you've given your blood. And there is no more precious, priceless blood than the Lord Jesus Christ. Take care. Uh, go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 18 and verse number 19. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number uh, uh, 18 and 19. Is there edge? What are you trying to prove? I'm trying to prove to you from the Bible that the church is the pearl of great price. The Bible said here, for as much as you know, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with what? The precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And the Bible tells us there that the church is purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you something right now. Only jewel, the, the pearl is the only jewel formed from something living. Uh, diamonds, rubies, gold, silver, all of that comes from non-living uh, material. The, the pearl is the only gemstone in the world that comes from a living uh, uh, thing. Let me tell you how the church was formed. It was formed by a living Savior, amen. I serve a living Savior. He's in the world today. Brother, I'll tell you something right now. I didn't come to worship dead Muhammad. I come to worship Jesus Christ who has risen from the dead. The Bible said, he said, I am he that was dead. He said, I am he that liveth. And I was dead and behold, I'm alive. How long? Forever, he said. I want to tell you something right. You say, Reggie, how do you know that Jesus Christ is alive? He, the living Savior, formed something in me that's alive. 
this morning. I didn't come to a church, dead, dead church service this morning. I'm not worshiping a dead God. I'm the fact there's somebody living down inside. He created life. And he is the one who gives life. Now I'm going to give you some further proof of that. You say, Reggie, who can out there? There's not a, there's not a savior in the world, not a religion world that can take a crook and make him honest. You want to know about, hey, somebody got on Facebook talking about uh, that revival down there, Dave, and said, is there going to be signs and wonders and miracles there? Yeah, boy. Yes, sir. You want a sign? I'll give you one. He rose from the dead. If that sign won't fix you, watching somebody's leg grow won't make you believe either. Amen. Amen. You say, is there wonders going to be done? Yes, sir. It's a wonder he saved a sinner like me. You say, is there going to be signs? Yeah. I quit a lot of stuff. Amen. That's a pretty good sign. I tell you what, I love God anymore. Love his word. I love Jesus Christ. That's a pretty good sign. Something happened. But a bunch of you wanted to see somebody's told get healed up. I'm going to tell you they away enough to make happen to make you. Anyway, I get off of that. That fires me up. Amen. They want to see signs and wonders and miracles. Well, just get saved. Amen. Obey your Bible. You'll see signs and wonders. Amen. I'm telling you right now, who can take a man who worships a syringe and has needle tracks all up and down his arm? And I tell you, put him in church with a Bible in his lap, amen, and a song in his heart. And he don't want that needle no more. I tell you, you want to see somebody living that'll change you. The power of Christ is that he changes lives, amen. I'm going to tell you, if he hadn't changed you, you're not saved, amen. God will change you, amen. I'm telling you right now, any man being Christ, he's what? He's a new creature. God creates a new man inside. And not only that, but I tell you, who can take a woman? I tell you, what do you sitting at a bar with a bottle of beer in her hand bring her to church and save her amen and put a bible in her lap and a song in her heart I'll tell you only God can do that that's what God can do amen ain't a shrink can do that there's not a doctor can do that there's not a politician can do that I am telling you this morning I'm preaching about a living savior and the pearl comes from a living creature and our savior is living now first of all I want to preach on the pearl and his sufferings you say Reggie how's a pearl get made maize gets made through suffering that's how it gets made the pearls form through suffering. The oyster, now I'll tell you what, there's so many layers of this thing, I can't get them all. But the oyster gets what's called an irritant. Need to write down some words. Uh, need to write down nacre, and we need to write down irritant. I'm going to do this. Can I get a couple of you boys to move this here? But here's some words I want you to get. Right here. Irritant. Can't see that. Don't think about that. About like me. Anyway, the nectar is what comes out of the marrow of the bundle pearl. Okay, it's a substance and a solution. But that oyster's laying down there. Watch this. Where's the oysters at? Did they grow up? They're laying down in the muck. They're down in the mire. They're like you and I in this old stinking nasty world. Hey, can I tell you what? An oyster is a bottom feeder. Hey man, I was a bottom feeder, Brother Michael. How I was lost without God and Brother Dean, me and you was bottom feeders, amen. We was feeding on the lust of the flesh and the lust of the world and the pride of life. And I'll tell you that oyster's down there in the sea, in which is a type of the world. He's down in the muck. 
Bell tank, God comes to the muck, amen. And God saves sinners like me and God saves sinners like you. And he'll come down the muck where you're at. You say, well, I'm not in the muck. You're a self-righteous hypocrite. You're in the muck with anybody else, amen. If you're self-righteous, it's worse muck than a drunkard. I'd rather deal with a drunkard than a self-righteous religious person in the end of the week, amen. But I'm talking about he gets a, that, he, that oyster gets an irritant in him. That's what they call it. An irritant. Now they used to think, and it still may be in some cases, that a little grain of sand would get inside the oyster. And it would irritate the oyster and cause problems and that pearl they start on that. And they said sometimes might be a little bit of dirt get in there. And that would start that nacre film coming over there. But they discovered in recent years that in most cases that is not the case. In fact, maybe in all cases, the pearl is not started by a grain of sand or a piece of dirt even. It's started by a little feller by the name of the drill worm. Pay attention here. There's a little parasite you can't hardly see with your eye that'll crawl up in the lip of that oyster, crawl himself down in there, and he's a drill worm. I call him the devil worm. And the drill worm has a tail that he can set down like a backhoe's arms so he can pressure. And then he's also got an acid in his belly that he pukes up that softens the hard layer of mother of pearl. And then he's got a beak on him and it's like, a, that's where they get the drill. They literally have taken this terminology to drill oil wells with. You type in drill worm and you'll get talking about, they'll talk about getting oil. And that drill, that drill worm, he, got his, he gets his backside plotted down so he can pressure on the front, spits out that junk acid, starts dissolving that. It's so poison, so powerful, it'll start dissolving that mother pearl there that layer and then he starts drilling and when he's drilling going down and get a hole down there and what's he going to do? going to eat on it and he's going to kill it listen to me in Genesis chapter 3 the devil drill worm that serpent came to Eve planted his feet down and propped his puke in her read Genesis 3 if he didn't puke on her I'll eat your dirty socks he puked on her with a lie out of hell. And once she let that puke come on her, she start, then he started drilling. Yeah, Amen. Yeah. He started drilling down. So what's going to happen? If that something doesn't intervene with that, with that, with that oyster, that oyster is doomed to death. Did you know something? That if God doesn't intervene with you and I, that devil drill worm that you, everybody in this building, everybody listen to me, he's been attacked by the drill worm. Everybody in here has got a sin nature in you. You've been hit by the drill worm and he probed through you and he means to destroy. He cometh for not to steal, to kill and destroy, the Bible says. You got a drill worm called sin, a drill worm called the devil and he is not playing games with you and buddy, he'll hook down, he'll puke on you and start drilling right through you and the next thing you know, he'll kill you if you don't have somebody to intervene. Something's got to intervene. Well, thank God in Genesis 3.15, God made a prophecy about the seed of the woman 
that it would crush the head of the serpent. And God has so fixed that oyster that he has a remedy for the drill worm. Woo! I'm glad God's got a remedy for the, old, the drill worm that hit old Reg Kelly. And Reg Kelly was about 20 some years old and the drill worm had spit on me and tightened into me and he was a drilling on me. And I was dying and going to hell. But one day, something came. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. Bless my heart. There's a substance called NACRE. N-A-C-R-E. Don't you ever forget that word the rest of your life. NACRE comes and it covers the drill worm. Little bitty old thin super. Can't even see the cup. And you know what he does? Ah, I got to quit. I got to just I'm getting way ahead of my message. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you what, I don't pray for me. Now I want to say this to you. That I, the, the sufferings that you, I, I want to put this on a little layer here. You're going to have irritants come in your life. Yeah. Besides the sin nature. So I want to preach on two levels. Salvation level. And the servant level. In other words, serving God level. You say, Reggie, what happened? Well, sin came in. Suffering comes because of it. Can I tell you, all the suffering you've ever suffered came because of sin. But it's not our sinful suffering that saves us. It's the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ that saves us. The Bible said in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sin. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Isaiah said, he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. The Bible teaches us, I want to say something. Any church that neglects the sufferings of Jesus Christ for their sins is a church that will die. It will die. Because it's through the constant reminding. And that's why we have communion. That's why we preach the cross. That's why we preach the sufferings of cross. Because when the church loses sight of the fact that Christ suffered for their sins. The Bible said, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despising the shame. Can I remind you that in Matthew chapter 27, our Lord Jesus Christ was brought before a whole band of soldiers. A whole band. Can I remind you they stripped him naked? Can I remind you they blindfolded him? Can I remind you they buffeted him? That means they hit him with their fist. Now I'm going to tell you something. If I'm standing up here and I can see you coming with your fist, I got a, ch- I got a chance to move my head back, which will soften the blow tremendously. But if I'm blindfolded and you hit me, I have no idea that fist is coming. Brother, let me tell you something. You can do a lot of damage fast. And the Bible said they buffeted him so much so that Isaiah said that his visions, his facial area was marred more than any man. You could not tell that he had a face by the time they got done with him. He suffered. Then they put a crown of thorns upon him. Crush your crown of thorns. Buddy, I'll tell you, you try one thorn. Go out there and get, get a thorn tree out here in the Ozarks. Just try one, poke it in your temple. You talk about tender and painful. Can you imagine the precious Son of God for hours and hours and hours, thorns pressed upon his brow? 
thorns pressed upon his head. God help us to never forget the sufferings of our Savior. God help us. I'll tell you what, we're in our churches today and just, it just ticks me off. There are churches today and we're talking about all about us, how good, I'm out, all about how it can be better for us. I want to tell you something. I'm telling you why churches are messed up. I'm telling you why Christianity is messed up. It's because we have forgotten the sufferings of our Savior and it means nothing to us anymore and we've, de- we've, we've designed a Christianity that's supposed to help us have our better life. The Bible says this, that if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. If we suffer with him, nobody wants any suffering anymore. I remind you, they mocked him. They spit on him. Brother Bill, if I walk up to you, spit in your face, any decent man in this building would jump up here and say, Reggie, you ain't doing that to him. Ain't anything more nasty you can do is spit on somebody. It's a picture of the filth and the sinfulness and the vileness of mankind. And our picture of Jesus taking our sin and our filth and our vileness. And I want you to imagine the lovely Son of God who never sinned, thought, deed, word, or action. Band of soldiers walking by him. And the spit drooling and dripping off of his lovely face. God help us to remember we wouldn't be sitting here singing amazing grace how sweet the sound had it not been for a savior that was willing to suffer for our sins. Oh God help Reg Kelly never forget that the reason I'm preaching this morning is because he suffered for my sin. The Bible said they scourged him. They ripped his back muscle down to the bones pulled his flesh. The cat and I just pulled his body, scourged him. The Bible said they smote him with the reed. The Bible says they drove nails into his hands and his feet. Can you imagine? The Bible said he was forsaken by his father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can I tell you this morning? This is why in your Bible it said that he sold it all. For a pearl of one pearl of great price, the church. Hang on to your seats this morning. We better get back to appreciating the church. That Jesus died for the church. We got about a 15 million people out here claim to be saved. They can take it or leave it. They got an attitude toward the church. They dropped his cross in the ground. And for six hours, Jesus Christ hung there in agony. He cried, I thirst. And even when they tried to give him painkiller with the myrrh and the vinegar, he refused it. Why? Because he was suffering the fullness of the will of the Father against our sin. He bore our sins, the Bible said, in his own body on the tree. And I want to tell you something right now. As far as I'm concerned, I want, I'm asking God to keep the sufferings of Christ in the forefront of our minds because if we forget that, We'll forget what we're here about and why we're here. Let me just tell you something. The Bible church, a true Christian church, a true preaching of the church will suffer. Now I'll tell you, I heard something this week that made me do a lot of thinking. I heard a preacher who's well known in this country. Now I mean, I don't follow him, but a lot of people do. And this thing popped up and he said this statement. That there's never been a greater evangelist since the Apostle Paul than Billy Graham. 
Now, I'll tell you something. I do not negate Billy Graham. I'm thankful for whatever and however God used him. I have some questions about some things because when I see the fruit of his evangelism, it is nothing like the Apostle Paul's. And let me say something further to you. Billy Graham never preached nothing to get his hide in jail. He never, Billy Graham never did, was arrested and threatened to be killed by people and he wasn't beaten thrice with rods. Don't compare Billy Graham to Apostle Paul to me. That won't work. He didn't even start to scratch the surface. You know why the Apostle Paul was able to start to spread Christianity throughout the entire continent of Europe? It's because he was willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. And let me tell you something. God is probably going to bring the church in this last generation back to suffering for the cause of Christ. People believe in something you're willing to die for. They're not interested in what you're willing to live for. They're interested in what you're willing to die for. Most churches do not want to bear any reproach in their communities. That's why most churches won't preach against the godless hell holes of public schools. They do not want to bear the reproach of everybody that's sucked up in it. Are you listening to me? They won't preach on politics and Democrats and sold out Republicans. They won't preach on the Masonic Lodge. And they won't preach on false Bibles. And everybody's just supposed to get along. Why? Because they do not want to suffer the reproach of men. They want to be liked by everybody. Everybody fit in good. That's our problem. We don't want to associate with the sufferings of Christ. Can I tell you something? That when eternity comes, a millennial reign comes, and eternity, that all the public schools are going to be dumped in hell, and the church of our Lord Jesus Christ will still be assailing all. Amen. 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 When the Masonic Lodge has been poured into hell, the church is still going to be sailing on. What I'm preaching out this morning. We like the pearls, but we don't like the suffering to get the pearl. Amen. Everybody wants to be liked. I could preach on all that stuff for a long time. I ain't going to. But I want to tell you this about our relationship to Jesus Christ. We are in him, the Bible says. We are one with him, the Bible says. We're complete in him, the Bible says. He is the bridegroom. He's the head of the church. He is the bridegroom and we're the bride. And we are joined together in that mysterious union Ephesians chapter 5 talks about. But I want to tell you something. That irritant causes suffering. And the old devil has caused suffering every, all across this church this morning. Every family, every life. Across the world, everything you see is that drill worm causing sufferings. But God has something to take care of the sufferings, and that's this right here, Necker. You know what that Necker does? He goes over there, that Necker comes out of there, and I'm just going to tell you flat out what it is. The Necker is a picture of the Holy Ghost utilizing the blood of Christ and the grace of God to not only encapsulate and kill the sin, but to cover it and to coat it. It's a picture of the grace of God being activated through the blood of Christ and the Spirit of God 
and covering and killing, not just killing our sin. By the way, when Jesus saved me, he killed the effect of sin in my life. I'm not dying. I'm going to live forever. He encapsulates that drill worm. And in encapsulating it, he shuts off its source of oxygen. And he kills it. And then he covers it. What does God do with you and you? He covers us with the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. He coats us with his grace. Now I want to tell you a little something about these pearls. A pearl, to make a pearl of any size, takes thousands of coats. You know what your Bible says? It talks about the manifold grace of God. You know what that means? It folded over you many a time. Did you know the Bible said where sin did abound? Grace did much more abound. The Bible said that he giveth what? More grace. I want to tell you something. I was studying this 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 week. And Brother Jason, don't tell anybody, but I had myself an old time Holy Ghost shouting spell. I said, Brother Bill, that's the reason I'm still preaching. It's because I've had manifold grace. Amen. The reason I'm still going to church is because I tell you what, God just kept putting another layer of grace over me, Brother Brett. And I got mad. I had got irritated this week and he covered it again. I got irritated again and he covered it again. How many of you has had an irritant? Say, Reggie, you're my irritant. Preachers can irritate you. By the way, let me just throw this in. This is why I said I got 16 rabbit trails. Did you know that when a lawyer gets you opposing on the witness stand, he's an opposing lawyer to you? Do you know what that's called in legal terms? He's going to drill down on you. He's going to ask you questions and questions and questions. You know what he's trying to do? Drill down to the truth. Did you know the Holy Ghost is God's? God's advocate and attorney and he's going to bring the Bible said part of the reasons the Holy Ghost work is to convict and you know what happened to you? You get in church house and the preacher gets to preaching on sin the Holy Ghost starts to drill it. Amen. You know what happened to me? God's Holy Ghost drilled down and God got to the truth. I was a lost, self-righteous, religious sinner. I needed to be born again. And God, when you come to church, you know what the Holy Ghost is doing? He's drilling down on you. Amen. I, we preach all kinds of stuff on this. Amen. Uh, I'm saying this to you. I'm glad God's got grace that he covers us with over and over and over again. It's a picture of the grace and the blood of God being applied through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that old mother of pearl just seeps it out. Now we're talking about the suffering of the pearl. What we're talking about the shaping. And I've kind of already hit some of that. But that old oyster, when the oyster suffers from that irritant, it begins to secrete that substance called nacre. And it begins to coat it and cover it and uh, take care of it. As I said, it'll coat it thousands of times. Till you know what? You can't see it no more. I don't know what I did them pearls, but you pull them pearls out and you can't see that. That old drill worm used to be in there. You know what's sweet about this bread? Is that God takes my drill worm life. He took it out. I mean, a muck would come down in the muck, an old stinking drill worm, and wicked sinner like me, and God covered it. He didn't just cover it, He covered it thousands of times. Thousands of times. And then guess what? When the end comes, it's going to be a pretty pearl. <laughs> Amen. Look at that pearl. Now I got one. Hey, can you put the last two pictures on? I'm going to show you this. Now I'm going to tell you a little story. I've been working on this all week long. And I go down to my mama's this morning and Hannah's down there with mama. And, and something come up about what I was preaching. I said, well, I'm, first time in my life, I'm going to preach on pearls. She said, well, I want to show you something. 
She said, me and some of the other girls were down at Silver Dollar City recently. And she said they had a, a deal down there where you could pick out. Some of you know, I didn't know this. You could pick out your oyster. And then they take the, they got it up. Yeah, now you watch. This is blow your mind. This boy. She showed these, these two pictures. She sent it to me. I said, send them to me on your deal. And I gave them to him and he put them up here. She said, this is when I picked my clam out. And then she said I had them to open it up. Now I want to, isn't that the prettiest thing you nearly ever seen? That's slimy looking. If you eat that, you've got bad appetite. That nasty looking. Oh, I'm going to take something. Woo! God looked down at me, brother. Hey, see that sorry looking, nasty looking thing. He said, I'm going to coat him with my grace until he looks like that. I'm going to make something different out of him. He opened up the clamshell of my life and he's been working on me and it ain't pretty. Now listen to me. You know that song? He's still working on me. That's why God's doing amen. He's still covering me with his grace day after day after day after day after day. And then one day, Brother Bill, he's going to open the clamshell up and they're going to go, ooh, <laughs> that's ugly. That ain't very pretty. But now show them the next picture. Now this is Hannah's pearl that she got. There it is. That's what was inside that nasty looking covering. Oh my, there's so much to learn from here. I want to I move over to as a saved person. How many besides me got irritated in the last three years? Last three minutes. How many's got the message already? You already know what the message is. When an irritant comes into your life, what's the answer? Grace. More grace. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to tell you this little story. But boy, I, I couldn't believe it. Hannah. So and look at these pictures, Dad. I just got me a pearl. I said, you got to be kidding me. First time, 41 years I preach on pearl. And you're down there getting these pictures. And you don't know what I'm preaching on. Because I'm telling you, when I seen that first picture, I go, that's me. That's me. That's me. But I was a pearl inside of me. Amen. <laughs> Y'all, say, you're a sorry looking dude. I know, I know. You got a lot of slime on you. I know, I know. But I tell you, God's making a pearl. Amen. Now, what was I going to preach on? I don't even forget. I can't even remember right now. Isn't that pitiful? Huh? Saved person. Yeah, saved person. This week, I have a really fancy, fancy business out at my farm. It's called the Rinky Dink Balenoir and duct tape sawmill. (laughs) And and this week, everything broke. I got on the tractor. Steering deal went bad. Can't drive the tractor. I got on the JCB and it's got this stupid deal where both tires turn, your back tires turn. You you ever seen them? It wanted to go like this. You ever had one do that, Kenny? You know what I'm talking about. You're trying to get over here where there's some lumber at, and it's going. I'm getting hot. Got ready to do my meal. My my, my lubricant deal wouldn't work. The water wouldn't come out on the blade. I look and it was three hours piddling with that thing. Then we go to resaw. Putting resources through. 
Electrical shuts down. Boop, you're not resolved. I ain't letting you. I jumped up. I said, I think the devil's in the middle of this sawmill. I've had it. Call an auctioneer. I asked Nathan, do you want to do a sale? He said, no. I, Brother Jim, I was irritated. My taters was irritated. I go in the house and I start studying. A pearl, an oyster has irritants. I know all about them. Yeah, God, I got that much. But a pearl takes care of its irritants. Yes, it does. It gets more grace. It gets more grace. Well, Lord, I'm mad. I'm not interested in grace right now. I want things fixed. I want it done. I want it done. All I want to do is work. Is there anything wrong with working? Am I the only one who laughs like this? No. No. <laughs> you're lying. I know you're lying. I mean, this blessed me so much. So you know what I did? Finally, the Lord said, you know what the Lord said? He gives grace to the lowly. He said, you're too high and mighty and you think everything's supposed to bark with you. You think if it don't work when you want to work, how I'm supposed to work, that I'm supposed to jump. I don't jump for you, Reggie. In fact, Reggie, you need a bunch of layers of grace on you. That's your problem because you've got an irritant eating on you and you're not fit to be around. And the real problem with you spiritually is, Reggie, is that you just constantly let irritants irritate you. You let people at church irritate. Anybody been irritated by church? I'm the only one gets irritated by it. Reg, you get irritated working. You get irritated caring. You get irritated. You get irritated. You get irritated. This is wild. Brett, I literally, the guy I work with, he and I have been talking about this. He's the guy that said he hoped God answers my prayer because you need it. Yeah. I would literally was using the very word. I'm irritated. I'm irritated. I'm irritated. And then here comes God with his message on the pearl. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, if y'all didn't get anything out of it, I got lots out of it. And you know what I did? I just found me a place. I got on my knees. And I said, God, it's the truth. I'm, I'm so irritated, I don't know how to fix it myself. And God, I can't. And he said, Reggie, I'm going to tell you. I send irritants your way <laughs> so you can grow. Yes. Come on. Yes. Come on. Amen. So you can be broken. And I'll just, I'll probably, I'll probably go out tomorrow and blow it, okay? I'll just be honest. Yeah. That's my pattern. But it sure feels good today to at least know what the problem is. Amen. And it sure feels good to know what the answer is. It's not that I didn't know it, but I needed to see it. And I saw it how? Through the beast and the fishes and the animals. Amen. And God used that pearl to show me myself. Yes. And I'll tell you what, Brother Phil, I ain't joking you a bit in the world. I got to looking at the manifold grace of God. Man, I said to myself, that's all of my life's been is just one layer of grace. After another layer of grace. Yes. And there's been yes. days I said, I am so done. Has anybody ever said that besides me? I am so done. Uh-huh. Yeah. I told my wife, I am just so done. Mm-hmm. 
And I look, I look at Montana and all the Californians are moving there. I don't want to go there. <laughs> this is the best place I know to be. <laughs> and God gets you where you ain't no place to go. But I tell you, Brother Jerry, I saw myself right there. I can't see the shining of the pearl yet, but it's in there. And it's being covered. And I want to encourage you people here today. I don't know whether you've got anything out of this message or not. But if you get irritated, say, Lord, lay another layer of grace over me. Amen. By the way, he does and you don't even know it. Amen. I, oh, my land, it's, it's 12.02. I'm on page 7 of 36. <laughs> I'm lying to you. I'm lying to you. Well, I think you pretty well got the message, haven't you? Yeah. Write this down somewhere. God turns your problems into a pearl. Yeah, amen. God will turn your problems into a pearl. And he'll cover it with his grace. <clears throat> the last thing, I'll let you out. That the sufferings of the pearl, that the shaping of the pearl. By the way, I, I am going to preach this a little bit. Most pearls turn out pretty round, pretty nice. But every once in a while, they, the pearl just don't turn out very round at all. That's me. <laughs> but, brother, <laughs> but brother Josh, he still covers it. Yeah. He takes it old rough. And the time I got through looking at it all and studying all that, I thought, you know what? I think them rough ones are more precious than round ones. I mean, last thing is the shining of the pearl. The moon has no light of its own. It's a picture of the church. The moon can only reflect the light of the sun. The pearl has no light of its own. But there are pearls, and it's called, they use the word, they don't use the word shine, they use the word luster. That's what they use. And they value pearls, watch this, by their luster. And luster in a pearl is this. It's the condition of that pearl in such a way that it, the light that's reflected seems to be coming from inside the pearl out. You see, it's only his light. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, and I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I think that needs to be studied out. But uh, I'm trying to wind this thing up. Um, my goodness sakes, did I not mess this whole thing up? There's a whole other message. I'm going to say this to you and I'll quit. As I was studying this, I said a little bit on the start. And I don't know whether I'll preach on this, but I'm going to say it before we go. I found out that there's pearl farms. I found out that in the 1800s, a Japanese man figured out how to produce pearls on mass. And it's called cultural pearls. Most of that's what you know and what you see are cultural pearls. Do you know, honestly, they're not real? 
They're not natural. They're not God. They're, they've been messed. What's the doing? They've been messed with by man. Did you remember me saying that only one out of 10,000 pearls in the natural make a pearl? I'll throw this at you. I've got to study. In the book of Revelation, the false church has pearls. The cultural pearls are a picture of man devised fake Christianity. Oh, I ain't, I ain't going to lie to you. I studied this thing this week, Brother Dean, and my mind couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't grab all of it. The message of the pearl. But you know something? I'm going to let the Lord and all the, uh, take care of all that stuff. Today, Brother Don's in. I'm just going to rejoice. Amen. That he give me another layer of grace. Amen. And he's going to give us grace till we take our last breath. Because his grace, not our goodness, but his grace is sufficient. And my message to you, beloved people today is this. When the devil tries to drill on you, (laughs) you just say, Lord, give me another layer of grace. Seal him off. Cover it up. And make me make this whole situation that I'm in that's painful, that's irritable. Does this not fit Romans eight twenty eight? That all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And you know what I want for you. And by the way, your name's Richard. I got to tease you. I like that couple. They're sweet as they can be. And I, I, how far do you all drive? Oh, okay. Well, you don't have to. You could walk there. You know. <laughs> but, uh, Brother Richard, I'll tell you. I, I'm now thankful that my tractor tore up. I'm now thankful that my JCB was walking sideways. Now I'm thankful that my sawmill wasn't working. Amen. And in the middle of all this junk this week, God says, now, Richard, move out of the physical realm. Yes, and I want you to look at your spiritual problems. Amen. And I want you to start thinking me. And Reggie, there's going to be a pearl come out of this situation. Just give me time. Pearls are not made overnight. Yeah. Time. Penis comes. Here's what I want you to do. If you're here today... You say, Reggie, I tell you what, I got some irritable things been bothering me and I just need more grace. Ain't nobody's business but me and God. And you want to come and just say, Lord, you want to do what your pastor did this week and just say, Lord, I, I need a little grace. I need another layer. <clears throat> Why don't you come? Let's stand together. If you're lost in